Hey everybody, I want to welcome you into the Point Church Podcast. This is a podcast hosted by the pastoral staff of the Point Church located in southwest Pensacola in the Perdido Key area. If you live in our area, we'd love to have you stop by and visit our church. Maybe you're here on vacation visiting the white sandy beaches of Johnson's Beach, Perdido Key. We'd love to have you stop by and visit with us sometime at our church. On today's podcast, we've just entitled it, This Is Your Grandma's Church. (laughs) I'm joined today by three of the pastoral staff members, John Vickers. Hey, everybody. Glad to be with you today. Joe McClellan. Hey, y'all. And Nathan Duckworth. How's it going? Pastor Josh is not able to be with us today. Guys, today we're going to talk about the different generations and age groups that make up the body of Christ. I remember several years ago, I picked up a newspaper and there was an ad in it for a brand new church start in a particular community. And I'll never forget the title. It said, this ain't your grandma's church. I'd never seen that before. And it made me think about what did they actually mean uh, by that title? As I thought about that, my mind went back to my college days when I was working on my undergrad degree at Tennessee Temple University, I was in a Christian education class, and the assignment to the class was we divided the number of people in the room into segments, and each group was supposed to create an education plan for one year for a specific age group, starting all the way down from preschool all the way up to senior adults. And in my youth and inexperience and not really knowing what the future would hold for me, it didn't really dawn on me that one day when I became a senior pastor that I would be pastoring that wide uh, of an age group. So when you go into ministry, although ministry is specialized sometimes with maybe the preschool director or the children's director or middle school, high school, when you're in ministry, you're ministering to a variety of ages, a variety of ethnicities, a variety of church backgrounds, and everybody comes and piles up in one place, Mm -hmm. and then you have to figure out who has an opinion. They all do. They all do. (laughs) Just like armpits. You have to figure out what (laughs) this person's view is and that person's view is, and through the decades, through the centuries, actually, it's been a challenge at times uh, for the church. An interesting book that I was given a couple of years ago is the book entitled Generational IQ by Hayden Shaw. And in this book, he makes the case that we are living in a portion of the church age like no other, that there's actually seven different generations that are worshiping in the church. And uh, as it is with health and our culture, it seems like people are living a little bit longer. Now, I know back in the Bible, Methuselah lived 969 years. But guys, we've actually had a lady in our church die at 107. Uh, We've got people in our church right now in their 90s, some in their 80s. And of course, we have a, a younger congregation as well where we have students and children. And so let's talk for just a minute. When we titled this podcast, This Is My Grandma's Church, Joe, why did we title it that? Well, I think it was in reaction to what you said about the the ad you saw in the newspaper. Because uh, anytime you you see an ad or, or something that says something along the lines of "This isn't your grandmother's church," you automatically think, "Well, what does that mean?" It means the music's going to be loud. It's going to be flashing lights. It's going to be a pastor 
who's probably in, in the middle of a midlife crisis wearing clothes you shouldn't wear <laughs> on the stage. <laughs> and there may or may not be a flat bill hat included, you know. <laughs> I think you bring up a good point, though, when when we use words like that sometimes i mean to me if you really get in and think about it it's really disrespectful to an entire generation of people it's not biblical not at all it's not biblical not at all but i understand what people mean when they when they say that it's an attempt to say oh this is something that's fresh we've put some some thought and some effort into making something look a little bit different but man when and, and, and it's probably a reaction to some bad behavior that they have experienced maybe in a church that it has a lot of senior adults because let's, let's don't act like we're we're just living this utopia. There there are sometimes there are churches where it is a challenge with how the senior adults view ministry and church and even how they relate to younger people. Um, we're just blessed in our church. We don't necessarily uh, have those kinds of battles all the time. Anyway, when you go back and look generationally, even back to the oldest age group that's alive right now that was born in church, mm-hmm. uh, they attend church. Uh, they've attended church their whole life. They have a perspective of from their youth of what church is supposed to be. Their right. mom and their dad, their right. grandma and their grandpa said, this is the way church is supposed to be done. Now, fast forward 70, 80, 90 years in 2020, things have changed. And sometimes what people don't realize is that things changed even before then. Right. So we go back, for example, we talk about music in the church. There was a day when the church was divided and fought each other over whether or not there should be a piano in the church. Right. Because it was a barroom instrument. Absolutely. Played in the honky-tonk that shouldn't be brought into the house of God. And further than that, they didn't want the organ. And before that, there was no instrumental. You can back it up to where it was was a big day when they started singing a harmony instead of everybody in use and in a chant. I mean, they were were ready to fight over that. (laughs) So it's always been there. Yep. Okay, so as we think about that over the decades and we fast forward, we also bring into it, I think, the spirituality of a person. Mm. Did a person get discipled when they were younger in their middle and upper years? I would say in my almost 30 years of ministry that there have been times when I have seen maybe some senior adults who had a bad attitude, (laughs) who were angry, who told their children and their grandchildren, basically, you sit down and be quiet, and we run this church, and we're going to run it the way we want to run it. And I think that's why, not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons why there's so many churches today with 6, 8, 10, and 12 people who are barely keeping the doors open, who are not reaching any, anybody, there's no new blood, because they've held on to the past. Now, with all that being said, I want to say about our church, I've been here 16 years as the pastor, and we've had a couple little squirmishes here and there over different things, but by and large, the people of our church, uh, this is my grandma's church. The senior adults in this church love this place, yeah, and they love what we're doing, and they appreciate yep. it. Yep. Any of those skirmishes you mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you've been here 16 years, I've been here, it'll be 13 years in January. I can think back over times of maybe some disunity or skirmish. It very rarely comes from the senior adults. It's usually another age group where it's kind of kicking up. It's not them. They they are always, I mean, my experience here, and I think you echoed the same thing. They've been positive. They've been encouraging. They've been they've been nothing but kind. And I mean, they're the ones I look forward to see the most on Sundays. 
Well, there's there's an element here that we're talking about people who've lived life and experienced so so much more than than I have in 30 years. Somebody's lived, you know, 60, 70 years. They've got experiences where they've been able to see their children grow up. They have grandchildren. Some of them even have great-grandchildren. And there are some really great examples of senior saints who have been faithful, who've discipled their kids, yep. who have yep. invested into their grandchildren. And what an incredible blessing to the church to have them yep. and to be able to see that example and to see the way that they influence people around them. When we talk about church life, um, you think about churches that need a pastor. They need leadership. So an older congregation now, let's say a congregation of 50, 60 people, we need a pastor. Where are we going to look for a pastor? Well, let's look at Bible colleges. Let's look at seminaries uh, to bring a pastor in. And the mindset is we need to bring in a younger pastor because we need to reach younger people. The problem is, many times, younger pastors go into older congregations. It's not the case in every, every situation, but it really comes to the surface over the first year or two whether or not that church really wants to reach younger people mm-hmm. because there's a tendency to hold on to what you have, to hold on to your preferences. Now, John, you're a millennial. I think we talked about that a couple of uh, podcasts <laughs> to go. And I find it to be interesting about your generation, which is 1981 to 2001. You were born in what year? 1990. Okay, you're born in 1990, the year I graduated high school. <laughs> Old. And it says in here that in your generation, fewer of your parents went to church or read the Bible. So fewer of your generation even knows Bible stories. Mm-hmm. For decades, churches have assumed a common core of Bible knowledge, but the new generation is the first of what is most likely a growing trend, not just of biblical illiteracy, but also of biblical unawareness. Absolutely. And I would say for the this conversation, man, grandparents are so valuable to yeah. be able to sit down and have conversations with their grandkids. I mean, I've been involved in, in student ministry for, I don't know, 10 plus years, and I can't tell you how many students get to church because grandma brought them to church because grandma cared enough about them to sit down and open up the Bible and say, hey, let me tell you about my Savior Jesus. And man, what a blessing that is to have senior adults and senior saints who care about the next generation. And the ones I know, like in our church, that have grandchildren that they're either raising or they have a huge impact on their lives, they love those kids and they are they are fervently praying for those kids mm-hmm. for their salvation. Even if the parents don't even it's not even on their radar to do so. I think that's awesome that somebody cares about those children's their souls. Absolutely. So, so when you're talking about the local church, you when you look at the Bible, Jesus prayed for unity. Yeah. among the body, that yeah. everyone would work together. And so when you look at the book of Titus, there's this picture of the older women mentoring and loving on and nurturing the younger, the older men pouring into the younger men, mm-hmm. setting an example. Um, when you think about church conflict, what are what are things that, that churches have conflict over? Because that conflict ultimately drives people away. It will drive away a senior adult that has a sweet spirit and just says, hey, we just want to get along, serve the Lord, Mm -hmm. make a difference. It drives away the younger generation 
Uh, Hayden Shaw said, again, about millennials, that the millennials wish society and the church would quit fighting over their differences and work together. Mm, yep. And I would say, wow, that that certainly applies to the culture we live in today. We're sure. in a political season right now on, on and on on. That's one of them, though. Even politics in the church is one thing that, that, that gets people, the generations at each other a little bit, the disagreements over that. Uh, definitely music. I mean, that's kind of the, I think a lot of when you saw that ad about that this isn't your grandmother's church, I'm sure they were referring to the music style of what it would be like in there. Um, and let me just say this, from the preaching, from the music, the worship service side of things here at Point, have we not, especially you and I, Tim, we've been together for a long time, have we not just experienced an amazing amount of grace and love and support from our senior adults when it comes to the changes that we've made in the worship service over the last you know decade or so? Really, we don't, we don't have fights over that stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about that okay. for a minute. You know, when I became the pastor, um, nothing wrong with this. This is not uh, a slight or putting this church down or any church down. Yeah. But when I became the pastor, this church was a suit and tie, choir robe, beige choir robes with mauve trim. Uh, can we get those out of the closet and use those in praise statement, Sonny? If I knew where they were... <laughs> They're probably in the middle of uh, the Gulf yeah, of Mexico. Yeah, you know what? We lost, we lost them to Sally. We, <laughs> we sure did. Yeah. Anyhow, grand piano, um, limited in, limited in instrumentation. Uh, I never, God knows my heart, I never desired or prayed for or said, we've got to do A, B, and C, make changes. I never thought we've got to have guitars. We've got to have this or that. We've got to have a better. I never thought that. I only just kind of, as as every day unfolded, tried to figure out where we were at and what we ought to do. Mm-hmm. A man moved in our community. Um, Alan might listen to this. I don't know. Hey, Alan, if you're listening. Alan moved down here, and he came up to me and said, Hey, man, I've been a drummer in a church for 27 years, and I, you know, I'm joining this church either way, and when y'all get ready to have drums, I want to play it. You sound like <laughs> it when you said that. Get that Cajun accent <laughs> yeah, going. Yeah, you sound just like him. But – Sure enough, one Sunday we put drums up there, and just it just began to unfold. Joe, you came. You know what it was like when you first got here. We never set out to say, man, we want to be like Saddleback. No. Or we want to be like uh, uh, um, Willow Creek. Or we want to be like anybody else. All we've ever desired is to, to, to be us. And as that has morphed, we've had very little – very little bumps or battles along the way with that. And I think because our goal, my goal, our goal has always been to worship the Lord, regardless of style. If we're doing things for the sake of style, that is such a shallow goal. But our goal was to always, what helps our people worship the Lord the best? What helps them see the Lord and how it relates to them? What helps them be able to learn the gospel and sing the gospel and share the gospel? Was we'll sing those kinds of songs, and that yeah. does not um, uh, just depend on a style. You That's know, content. You, you mentioned something earlier about there being a scenario with an older congregation that brings in a younger pastor, and we are just generationally where we are right now. The baby boomers are a very big generation. Gen X is relatively small, and millennials are just massive. And we have uh, a leadership change crisis right now that's happening across the church, especially in our country, to where we have a lot of young pastors that are stepping up into leadership roles. But, uh, Tim, you know this. I know this. Joe, you know this, too. Nathan knows as well. He's learning this right now. Young leadership comes with a lack of experience and a Mm -hmm. lack of 
understanding mm-hmm. the context of where you serve. So sometimes young leaders will come in and they'll have this mindset of a, you know, oh, fill in church X over in whatever city that's doing great. And we're just going to model ourselves to look like them when they don't understand why they do what they do. So I think all of that comes down to where your heart is. And there can be selfishness on the side of leadership. There can be selfishness in the in the pews in the church. But ultimately, when we come together and we seek the Lord together, and we understand that the people that we minister to have life experience that we don't have. You know, I regularly talk to youth parents and I say, look, I don't know how to parent a teenager because I've never parented a teenager before. Pastoring teenagers and parenting teenagers are two different things, but we can partner together for this for the sake of the gospel. And I think that's what happens when young leaders come in and they lead someone who's 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 plus years older than them because we serve the same God, because we are together for the sake of the gospel in our communities and to see people that are dead in their sin come to life in Christ. And when we're centered around that and not an ideology of what Sunday morning or Wednesday night looks like, man, God uses that powerfully. So imagine getting up in the church. Let's just say you got a established traditional kind of church. And imagine getting up on Sunday morning and saying, hey, I got an announcement to make. I want you to know this ain't your grandma's church anymore. <laughs> what, what, have you, what have you said to people that love the Lord with all their heart? Mm. And they've grown up on, let's be honest, they've grown up on blessed assurance and standing on the promises. And uh, what was the song we sang Wednesday night, the hymn? Tis so sweet. Tis so sweet to trust mm. in Jesus. They've grown up on just as I am. You know, kicking people like that out in the parking lot is, to me, a godless attitude. Oh, it's foolish. It's yeah. so foolish because there's such, there's such. It's a treasure to have their wisdom and their insight and their perspective on life. Yep. Here we sit. You know, twenties, thirties. You and I are in our forties. How how arrogant is it for us to think we have everything figured out? And that they don't have life experience that we can't glean some wisdom from. My goodness, learn from their mistakes so we don't have to. That's and that's what the Bible's talking about. Not to mention just discipleship. One of my most favorite memories of, of ministry here at the point was a couple years ago when we redid our stage in there and we did a, a wood background. And me and one of our deacons who's in his seventies <coughs> in his seventies, we rode up to Flomington together, which is a good hour or so from here, and we spent the day together getting that wood, getting lunch, talking, laughing, enjoying I'm telling you, there's that's precious to me. And to say that Oh, if you're a certain age or a certain mindset, we don't. This is not the place for you. Oh my goodness, you you you're you're speaking out of complete inexperience and ignorance. But for the, to say something like that, now let's flip that around just a second. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are some churches where there are some senior adults. Yeah. Who feel like because they've been the ones to faithfully give through the years, mm-hmm. and in some cases they put those fluorescent lights in the church fellowship hall. We pay the bills, and they bought the three new crock pots uh, <laughs> for the church potluck. They both in attitude and in spirit and vocally say to a younger generation, "You ain't doing that around here," or "Hey, you, you y'all need to dress like me." Let me let me just throw this out there. I've had a couple things happen in the last couple weeks. You know, I have literally, uh, Joe, I've literally had some young adults, I think of one man in particular, he lives down in Miami now, uh, who used to come to this church. And he said to me at lunch one day, he said, you know, I come to your church, but your music's not edgy enough for me. (laughs) We're sitting at lunch. 
Well, he said, I wish your music was more edgy, but I come to the church because the Bible's preached and I want to hear the Bible. Okay. So people don't, people don't think of that. You know, sometimes people that are a little more conservative, they don't think, they think of people leaving the church because the music's too peppy as opposed to people not coming to the church because the, the music's not edgy enough. Yeah. So in the last couple of weeks, I, we've encountered some folks that have been in more conservative environments. And I don't know this to be a hundred percent fact, but I'm pretty sure somebody came in our church a few weeks ago and the music started and they picked up their Bibles and walked out. I, saw I mean, like, <laughs> like they were in a, you know, I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, I don't what know I wanted were... to say was just wait, if you just wait, the next song, you're going to love it. I know <laughs> I could tell by what you're wearing and look on your face. If you just would have waited and they couldn't get to the first song, couldn't do it. <laughs> so their programming or their preferences overwhelm them. Yeah. So forth. Flip that to someone who said the other day, you know, we've been coming to the church now for about six weeks or so. And it's like a breath of fresh air. Mm. So there, there's some life there, and everybody has their own perspective. What we need to remember is, is that we all as Christians have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, mm, yeah, and sure. what we need to do is hang on to the gospel more than we hang on to our preferences. Now, Nathan, you're the youngest guy on the staff. I am. And you're from the big whopping <laughs> metropolis of Winfield, Alabama. That's right. So you grew up in the – uh, traditional county First Baptist Winfield, um, which would have been a more conservative environment. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so growing up, we sang hymns, but we, all, I mean, we also mixed in some other songs as well. But um, for the most part, it was hymns every Sunday, which I, I, I still love hymns. Um, I still sing. Wait a minute. Hymns. Wait a minute. How old are you? I'm 23. Did, all right, you're listening to this podcast. Did you hear what this 23 year old just said? He said, I still love hymns, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, grew up on Southern Gospel because, I mean, my dad sang in a Southern Gospel group. Somewhere still right does. now, somewhere has, someone has a tear on. I'm going to take a trip yeah. to the good old gospel ship. <laughs> hey, yeah. let, let, let's unpack that idea for just, yeah. just a second, okay, specifically with hymns and Southern Gospel. Okay, so with the with hymn books get back into our especially our Baptist heritage. The reason that the hymn book was created was for an incredible reason. You have something portable that you can take home and you can play a piano and your family can worship together. That's right. Yeah. And there's theological depth to these songs and you're learning the Bible and it's a beautiful, edifying experience. There's value in that. And pretty much for a while, no matter what church you went to, they're going to have some form of this book. You're going to be able to worship yeah. together. And that's great. Now, I've heard some really good Southern gospel through the years. I've heard some really bad Southern gospel Same through here. the years, too. Same here. And look, I'm just telling you, there's a song about a pickup truck that I heard one time that didn't have anything to do with Jesus, but that points us back to why it's important to be gospel-centric with everything, That's no right. matter what style. Yeah, of course. You mean you don't like the gospel song, The Devil's in the Phone Booth, dialing 911? <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah, that's a real song. Oh, uh, yep, it sure is. We heard that on DC I've Gospel Caravan one. in Birmingham. <laughs> Wayne Wallace. Yes, yes sir. sir. Now, let me say this about that. There's there's something about some of those songs that just still resonate with my spirit. And um, I think for me, I, I'm at a point right now where spiritually – I listen to, I take every song in its own merit as opposed to putting it in a category. Yeah. Listen to that song on its merit, and does it lead me to Christ? Does it help me worship Jesus, or is it about me and what I like? Mm. Um, 
I think that's the, the litmus test that we used. Is it theological? Is it biblical? And is it pointing us to Christ? So, guys, let's kind of narrow this down here for just as we wrap up. We think about all the different generations that we are ministering to right now. As a staff, we have to wrestle with the discipleship factor from preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, as our senior adults get older, as the younger generation comes along. One of the reasons we're trying to have some of the younger guys speak in church like on Wednesday night is just to raise up a younger generation because we cannot be thinking selfishly. We can't be thinking about just right now. We've got to be thinking about the future of the church. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, are we raising up leaders from the younger generations? And that's why discipleship is so important. So on that front, I have a guy that's in his 50s that I call before I preach, and I'll run my points by him, and I'll ask some questions, and then – course there's even a couple guys that that are older than that that I talk to and the wisdom that they give when they say things like okay well I don't understand the language that you're using or uh, maybe you're being a little bit crass with this point Um, we can learn so much from each other okay I speak in front of middle school and high school students on Wednesday nights and of course, you don't go in there and try to use words and language that you don't understand, but the challenge that we have when we're trying to minister to so many generations at one time is that it really cuts through preferential words or things that we use uh, as we're trying to communicate points, and it gets down to the truth of Scripture, and that adds into a challenge to what we do in leadership. Because if I go in and I preach a sermon to a a group of middle school students, I may also be preaching that same passage to a group of men somewhere else, but the eternal truth of Scripture is still there and is still relevant to everybody, no matter what age they are. That's right. That's similar to when we're picking out our worship set for when we lead worship on Sundays. Nathan and I have a very... uh, can be a complicated job at times because we are leading a multi-generational room so that we do have the considerations of what's going to help them worship. Are we going to do all modern songs, all songs that are that are five years or younger, or are we going to do hymns, are we going to do Southern gospel? And so for us, we do take a broad look, and you mentioned the guy a while ago that said our music wasn't edgy enough. Uh, maybe it wasn't that day, uh, but we just, we're just we ministering to a broad congregation of folks, and I don't want to do anything that's going to alienate them. And I, yeah. I probably, I'll confess that, I, and I, I mean, Nathan, I had this conversation when we were talking about him coming on staff here. I purposely stay a little bit behind because I want to sing things that I know is already resonating with the church and that people will be able to worship with. If that means we're not as on the cutting edge of things, I'm okay with that. I don't care about that. I'm, I'm 43 years old. I've gotten over being cool anymore. My yeah. kids let me know that really quick every day. <laughs> I'm not cool anymore. But I just want to help people worship. And whatever style that is, I could care less, really. Hey, can we not... Could we like sing Come Thou Found of Every Blessing a little more at church? It's coming, man. Yeah. That's the problem. It's coming. We ought to it, sing it every week. We we sing it some. And we're singing it next not this Sunday, but next that's Sunday. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's always week. next week. It's that's always right. the, it's coming. It's coming two weeks, right? That's right. You know, I can we're we're talking about songs and we're kind of joking around a little bit, but man, I can still just picture growing up at Friendship Baptist in Grand Bay and the pastor would sit on a little kind of short pew on the stage and 
just about every week we would sing I Exalt Thee and he'd close his eyes and raise his hand on the stage. And that's something that stuck with me through the years. And man, we're I think that we're better for the fact that we have m- multiple generations together in a church. God has created all of us for a reason and a purpose. And sometimes that changes as life seasons change, but it's all for the purpose of his glory. Catherine, one more nugget out there and I'm going to quit talking and we can wrap this thing up. So, you know, we have two services every Sunday. We have an early service with no childcare and we have the second service with full children's ministry. So that obviously that first service tends to be more senior adult heavy, uh, we do identical everything, identical music, identical message, everything. I know where you're going. Almost every week, the most energy and the people who have their hands up the most is that first service. Mm. And it doesn't matter what we sing. They love it all. That's incredible. They, and it really is. You know, it, every week, that tends to be, and I hate to break it to those ones that sleep in and come into later service, <laughs> but I'm telling you, the old folks, they get after it in that first service. And, and that I love blesses them. your heart watching yeah, them worship. Does. I love it. Tomorrow, guys, in the morning, I'm supposed to go over to an older retired pastor's house um, that lives in my neighborhood, and I'm going to carry my coffee pot with me, and uh, I'm looking forward to sitting down from him because I, I really cool. I really think that generationally in the church, we've always got to keep the mindset that, A, we are one body in Christ, yep, but that we're learning from one another, and that there are some that have more experience than we do. Amen. And right. the older need to be kind and gracious and gentle and nurturing and loving. And the younger generation needs to be respectful yes. and honoring of those yeah. that are above yeah, them. Yes. So may that always you know, be the case at our church. So this is your grandma's church and your young adult church and your middle-aged adult and your teenager and your child and your baby and your preschool let's go all the way down right guys this church is uh, the body of christ and we belong to him hey thank you for listening today to this podcast we hope that you'll enjoy it if you get a chance to share it do that give us a five star if you listen to it that helps us to uh, just get our uh, podcast out to more people all right if we can help you along the way let us know hello at to the point dot church god bless you have a great day